Amen. Come on, why don't you turn your Bibles to Mark 3, verse 1. Mark 3, verse 1. We're going to go real fast, then we're going to pray for some people. It says, Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus said, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in deep distress at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was completely restored. And the Pharisees went out to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You see, I love this passage talking about the miracles and the stretch. You know, um, every good Bible story has a stretch to it. You would only have to think of Noah, for example, 120 years building a boat. Who reckons after 20 years, he might have just got a little bit bored of the stretch, thinking, oh, really? Are we, are we carrying on this moment? But you know what? The miracle was in his ability to keep on going, to keep on believing, to keep on stretching. Uh, let's think of Abraham, Abraham in the Bible. Great story. What about his son, Isaac? The son he liked. He was the dad, Father's Day. Here we go. God says to him, take him up the mountain, sacrifice him. What? Are you local? I am like, if God said that to me, no. I'm not that excited about that. But he believed that God would make a way. He laid him on the altar. There would have been numerous times, numerous times as Abraham was walking up the mountain, he would have sent Isaac ahead of him as he was ill behind the bush. So much pressure was on the stretch. But because he stretched, God says, you are now the father of faith. <laughs> what about Esther? Let's give the girls a go. Esther. This little dot of a girl, a little princess, won a beauty pageant, and now she's in the harem. Mordecai says, listen, you've got to go to the king. She says, mm, mm If he doesn't hold out his scepter, I'm going to die. He goes, but for such a time as this, for this very hour you were born, maybe, maybe. She says, all right, I'm going to go. I mean, you, when she was putting her lipstick on, getting all that ready, she would have been... She would have been nervous. Sometimes you have to walk in the uncomfortable for your miracle. Sometimes you have to do something that maybe you haven't done before to see a result you haven't seen before. To see a miracle take place. She had to walk in the uncomfortable, but she saved her nation. Wow. Okay, well, what about Jesus? Let's just dip into there for a minute. You know how we, the greatest stretch of all time was that cross moment? Because of that cross, we can have healing, relationship with God, salvation, eternity with Him. Amazing things happen because of the, But we forget the garden. Remember Him saying, like, Dad, if you could just kind of let this moment go by, I'd be really pumped about that. Because I don't want to die. Don't want to go to a cross? Don't really want nails in my hands? The stretch. The stretch was uncomfortable. But the miracle was worth it. The miracle 
is in the stretch. That's what I want to tell you today. Give God a clap if you believe that today. Come on. <laughs> Hurricane, every good miracle story, every, good st- every evangelist needs a good miracle story, a good stretch moment. I remember one of the very first times I was in America, even here uh, in California, and, um, the, at the Dream Center. And um, it was one of my first times on television. I was a little bit nervous because they had the makeup on, the lipstick, the toilet brush thing, <laughs> mascara, the whole thing, you know, all getting all glammed on up. Janine was speaking at Hillsong in London at the same time. She rings me up the other side of the world. She says, hey, listen, what are you preaching on? I told her, she says, don't do that. Do a healing message. I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, yeah, you do it. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. And uh, so anyway, I'm obedient. I'm a man submitted under authority. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? The service went good. There were over 280 people made decisions for Christ. 500 people on this healing altar call. The place is jammed out. Miracles happening on stage. Bang, bang, bang. I was feeling so good about myself. And you know, you know when you've washed a car or built a house and you felt pride. Does anybody, you know, you look back and go, oh, good job. And... Um, I reckon pastors are allowed that luxury every now and then, amen? Well, you're just feeling good. People getting healed, people getting saved. Nice. And it's, you just feel it was a good service. I mean, what can you do? Who knows that one little whisper from God can ruin the whole thing, amen? And I'm standing there, and God speaks to me, and he says, Andrew, there's a blind person to your right. I want you to pray for him. Has God ever talked to you about something, and you've gone, Because I don't want to wreck a good meeting by praying for a blind person. Because I'd played, prayed for blind people before and it hadn't worked out the way I, I thought it would. And I thought, why would we do this today? And then I can hear other voices like the devil talking to me as well, saying, Andrew, if you do it, it's not going to happen. You know Walt Disney created that character, Donald Duck? And remember when Donald's about to do something good or bad, the angel duck appears on... Who knows what I'm talking about? We're in America, aren't we? And then, And then... And then the devil duck. I don't know how Walt Disney did it, but he articulated spiritual warfare perfectly. Those voices are as real as you can imagine. The devil doesn't want you to win. I told you that. John 10.10. He's come to rob, kill, destroy. He wants you to go to hell. He wants your marriage to bust up. He wants you to live with problems in your head and addictions and Everything, that's this God. But God wants you to win. Those voices talk to you. They talk to me. The devil's real, but God's bigger. Amen. You know, I'm standing there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you in on the, on the secret of a healing evangelist. Amen. You might be a little bit shocked. But I'm hearing God. I'm hearing the devil. Other voices are popping into my head as well. Janine, she gets in there. I don't know how she does it, but she just seems to be everywhere. She goes, Andrew, get down there immediately and pray for him on your business card as healing evangelist. Go. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how does she get in there? My pastor, Phil Pringle, he pops in. Tell you right here, right now, Andy Kabbalah, power of God's on you, no doubt about it. You go down and pray for him. God's going to touch him. Power of God. Now, Brian Houston, another Andy Kabbalah. I love to call friends. And yet, Bobby and I, we believe the best. The best is yet to come. And everybody should go to Hillsong Conference. <laughs> but you know what? This, this is what the Bible says. When you're about to do something awesome for God, there's a cloud of witnesses. 
looking down at you, saying, come on, have a go, you little tinker. You could do it. Really? Yes. Stretch. Stretch. You know what? I thank God that when I'm stuck, I could think, what would my pastor do? Pastor Phil Pringle, I mean, gosh, he's written a book on faith. He, he's the most extravagant, most generous person I know. I think he would have a go. I think of other mentors like Phil, even my wife Janine, she would definitely have a go. You know what, I'm, you should be grateful that maybe perhaps when you're not sure what you do, you think, what would Pastor Adam do, Pastor Kira? I reckon they'd have a go. They'd stretch. And the Bible says, of course, we should do what Jesus does, but Paul says, imitate me. We need godly people around us to help us stretch, to help think, you know what? And I'm so glad that I've got pastors that I could think, you know what, what would they do? So I remember thinking to myself, and this, this is not a 10-hour conversation. These are like seconds, flashes that are happening. I looked around, and my first look, and here's a man with a, a wraparound glasses, a white cane, and a dog. And I thought, that's probably him. <laughs> I walked down, and I said, buddy, can I, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, what for? He says, I'm blind. I go, okay, we'll, we'll start there. And uh, it would only be 30 seconds into the prayer. He lifts up his glasses and says, I can see. I said, well, that's so great. And uh, so I'm walking over here, like praying for other people. I've got like 499 other people to pray for. So we're going to hurry up. And like, you know, when, you know how you're about halfway down praying for somebody, but your mind's still like back, like processing, going, what, what did, did that really happen or not? Or, you know, because half of me didn't, didn't even believe it would happen. Like, I'm the guy who's praying. And the uh, <laughs> Bible says all you need is seed is faith as small as a mustard seed. The very fact that you're in church, I reckon there's enough jungle juice, enough get up and go for the miracle to happen. Even though you don't believe, the very fact that you allow somebody to pray for you is enough, enough to make it happen for you, for the miracle to happen. So I'm standing there, and uh, I get a, a thump on my back. The blind man spins me around. He's, 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 he's here, and he grabs my ear, which is a little bit uncomfortable. Don't do that today. He says, Pastor, you don't understand. He said, I was born blind, but now I can see. I see the, see the place, see the, whole, see the whole thing. I said, well, that's, that's pretty great. Found out from uh, the pastors that it was his first time in church. First time to church. So he comes and he hears that God can uh, take away his sin and he can have a relationship with him. So he becomes a Christian comes forward, prays a prayer. Then he hears that there's a God who heals. Who knows that probably not fully understanding, right? Fully believing. Maybe he has hope that maybe something could change for him. But he remains on a healing altar call. <laughs> what I love about this whole thing is he doesn't know that there's like a backslidden healing evangelist. Come on debating, right? Like we have all done. Are we going to pray? Are we not going to pray? Come on, church. Debating 50-50. What I love about God is that man stretched that morning. I stretched and God met us in the middle. 
the miracles in this stretch, no doubt about it. You know, I love the story about the man with the shriveled hand. He's got something busted, something broken. In the old days, if you got something broken and a disability, you wouldn't be allowed in the sanctuary, you wouldn't be kosher, you'd be at the doorway or at the gate. But this man had faith. He believed that something could happen. You know, faith comes by hearing. I reckon he heard the stories of God's healing around the campfires late at night, around the biggest tents. They would have heard about the lepers. They would have heard about the people who were healed. They would have heard for sure about the blind man who was, Jesus made a little mud ball. He spat spat in the mud and made little eyeballs and he was healed, you know. Uh, you know, those detective programs, CSI and other programs, you know, when they're looking for DNA, they go for saliva. Jesus spat in the mud, put him in his eyes. He said, love God. He did that so cool. He heard the stories. He's like, you know what, I'm going to sneak into this church, see if this God's real. Came to church. Trump probably trying to hide. Halfway in the message, Jesus says, I want you to stand up. There has to be a moment in your life where you'll stand. There has to be a point in your life where you say, you know what, I'm not going to be this half in, half out Christian. I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to make a stand for Christ. Something shifted in my life. I was 15 years old when I gave my life to Christ, a defining moment. I am amazed how 30-second prayers can change your whole world. One prayer, one whisper. She just touched him, and the pain left. The Bible's full of little moments that have altered people's destinies. That moment can happen for you today. Then he says to the people, can I, can I heal on the Sabbath or not? Basically, that's the story. He was upset with them because they didn't answer. And uh, the reason they didn't answer, why he was upset, not just because they didn't answer, because he knew they knew the answer, but they refused to say it. The devil has come to rob, kill, destroy. But God, our Heavenly Father, is a good God. He wants you to win. He always wants you to be healed. He always wants your family to be blessed. He always wants you to be successful in your endeavors. Then he says to the, to the man, I want you to stretch out your hand. I wonder if the worship team can come and join me. I want you to stretch out your hand. <laughs> I'm going quick. If I was that guy, who reckons he'd be having a little Donald Duck moment right then? He shouldn't be in that church. He's got something broken in life, a disappointment. We've all got those things, a divorce, wrong relationship, addictions, things that we're not proud of. So we hide them. We come to church and we hide them, thinking that God can't see them. Just stretch out your hand. If I was that guy, I'd be going, "Mm." (laughs) Five years I was in hospital with leukemia. It's a long time. The doctors diagnosed me at one stage to be terminal, which means that they give up, the doctors give up. My Catholic priest came and gave me my last rites preparing me for burial. Who knows that's a bad day. So I believe my doctors, I believe my Catholic priest, I believe, believe my parents, I'm, be, I'm believing people that things are going to, it's not going to be good. My Presbyterian youth pastors came and said, we believe in a different report. 
something could change for you. We're believing for healing. You know, friend, it was within my rights to say to them, get out. I could have said to them, don't give me false hope. Don't tell me that God's going to heal me now. I had a thousand reasons why I, I, I could have kicked them out of that room. See, I'm in stage six of ten of the grief process. I, my Catholic priest, my family. Don't tell me, don't tease me that God can heal me now. Where was the miracle for me? I'm not the hero of my story. I didn't believe that God could heal me. But the very fact that I allowed them to pray for me was enough. A seed. It wasn't big, but it was enough for God to do something in my life. He says to the man, stretch out your hand. If I was him, I'd peek first. So what do you mean? I'd look. It's not healed yet. I'm not going to stretch. God can't heal the thing that you hide from him. If you want your marriage to be fixed, you've got to talk to him about it. If you want the miracle to happen, you've got you to give him the ugly. You've got to give him the thing that's broken in your life for the miracle to take place in your life. The Bible says he stands at the door and he, he knocks. He's knocking. Why is he doing that? Because the Bible says if you open, open the door. A bit rusty. Hasn't been open for a while. If you open the door, he can come in. You have to stretch. You have to, you have to give him the moment. The miracle's in the stretch. There's no two ways about it. I know lots of people. Just keep it hidden. Keep it, keep it messed up. Where did the miracle happen for him? <laughs> he would have thought, but if I stretch, people will know. Who cares? Stretch, is it worth it? Esther, Abraham, <laughs> oh, actually all the good guys in the Bible all had stretch moments. But the miracle was in the stretch. When they just did that, it was clean. It was whole. I've seen thousands of people healed. Thousands of people become Christians because they stretched. Shook that thing off. You know what? I pray for people a lot. I was thinking about this church service and I was praying to God, what can we do? I felt like people needed to be healed, but I felt like there was a burden for dads for Father's Day. Because you know what, sir? If, I, if my dad was here, he, he's not a church person like we would know it. He's kind of like brought up in a Catholic home. And uh, 
But if, if I was here, I'd be talking to the dads. Because you know what? I, I, would, I would want the guy at the front talking to dads because when a dad is right with the Lord, the whole family's blessed. The whole family is blessed. Maybe you've been hiding a little bit, maybe from God or maybe from your pastors. But there's one person, sir, you cannot hide from, and that's your wife. She knows if you're the real deal. She knows if you're authentic. She knows if you pray. She knows if you read the Bible. Scripture says many will come to me on that day and say, dude, we're not prophesying in your name. Many miracles in your name. Deliver people. He says, but apart from me, I never knew you. He says, why, why, do, why, why would God even say that? Because he's saying, listen, your good things don't get you to heaven. Relationship with me gets you to heaven. And if you're out, from, if you're out of relationship with God, that's a really dangerous place to be. Not just for your soul, but for your whole family. Sir, shake that off. The best Father's Day present you can give your family is getting a pair of... <clears throat> it's being a man. and saying, you know what? I'm not going to live in the in-between. I'm going to stand. I'm going to shake off this religious demon that's been tormenting me. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Rededicate my life to Him. Catapult yourself into a brand new day. A religious demon would say to you, no, don't need to do that. People will know, people, who cares? Shake that thing off. Don't let the devil win today. So no, my family will be blessed. Something's going to change for me. Something's going to shift for me. In Jesus' name. There are mums here. You're away from God. You don't have to be a bad person to be away from God. It's easy. Then one day that you don't spend time with God turns into a week. That week turns into a year. And we also hasn't a year turned around so fast that all of a sudden we find ourselves feeling God in religious moments like this, but we're completely backslidden. We're lost. There are young people with God, you Christian with your Christian friends, your Christians with your non-Christian friends, your non-Christians. It's got to change. You have to stand. This is the greatest miracle. Come on, why don't you just close your eyes? Let me pray for you. I tell people all the time, the reason we close our eyes is because when you close your eyes, your soul and your thoughts are illuminated. And I want you to ask this question to your soul. Am I in relationship with God? God will talk to you. God will move. As you're pondering that thought, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for those people who are here, perhaps for the first time, second time, maybe visiting from another church. They're saying, Andrew, it's true. I know about God, but not in relationship with Him. But something has to shift for me. Something has to shift for me. Something has to turn for me. Or maybe you're here, you're saying, Andrew, it is sin, a wrong relationship, an addiction. You know, when I was praying this morning, I felt there were numerous people here you were saying, Andrew, I cannot have another year like 2013. Something has to shift for me. Something has to turn. Friend, the miracle's in the stretch. Or maybe you're saying, Andrew, you know, if I was to face death like you had to as a teenager, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know if I'd be in heaven or hell. If I was to walk out of this room, get hit by a car, there'd be fear and insecurity around that moment. But would you pray with me? 
so I can have a relationship with God, walk in that relationship, have an assurance of my salvation. Friend, if that's you this morning, come on. What I want you to do, Riff, right now, in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer all together so you don't feel alone or embarrassed. But in your seat, I just want you to acknowledge that moment right now. Say, Andrew, that's me. I want you to lift up your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Who's the, 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 those people today saying, Andrew, you know what? If I'm going to be honest today, something's going to happen. Sir, if that's you, Dad, if that's you, I want you to lift up your hand and say, you know what? Something's going to shift for me. Who today? You're saying, Andrew, that's me. Thank you, sir. Dads are lifting up their hands. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, dads, for responding. Who else? You're saying, Andrew, that's me today. Something has to shift for me, my family, my life. Something's going to turn. Maybe you're saying, you know what? Shouldn't I? Should I? Should I or shouldn't I? How do you think the devil's going to come? Do you think he's going to come in a red suit and a pitchfork? No. He's going to whisper to you. He's going to say, don't do it. Listen, don't listen to the devil today. Let something shift for you. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's me. That's me. Something's going to turn. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's me. Thank you. Over the back. Thank you. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's going to be me. Something's going to turn. Something's going to shift for me. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's me. Just one more time. I reckon there's three or four more people. Maybe you just something has to shift for you. I'm not talking about you missed your quiet time last night. I'm talking when you look inside your soul, you know you're away from God. Is there one more person, one more dad, who lift up your hand? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Every person that lifted your hand, would you do me the honor of just lifting it high enough, long enough? One more time, I don't want to miss anybody. In fact, I'd like to count if I can even do that. If, if you haven't lifted your hand but you want to, this is the time to do it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, at least 21 people. Let's give God a big hand even just for doing that. How good's that? And you know what? This is the friendly church. It's Father's Day, right? Put the lights on a little bit. So just, you know what? This isn't a sad moment or a weird moment. This is a happy moment. Like, so sometimes we get real religious about this. But I don't feel like we should have streamers and, and like um, free Coke or I don't know. But, you know, like, this is like a happy moment. You know what I mean? So don't get funky on me because this is good. Now, I would love to pray for you, and we're all going to pray this prayer out loud. But if you would like, I would like to pray for you personally down the front, because I like to put weight on this moment, that this would last an eternity, and um, that something would happen for you. And Sir, if you're sitting beside your family member, or friend, or whatever, or whoever you're sitting with, smile. Turn to them and say, hey, listen, you don't need to come down by yourself. I'll come with you. And bring your family down, and make this an event. Make this something... Spectacular, amen? Come on, why don't we stand? Let's give a big, big clap. If you want to come, I want you to come. If you lifted your hand, slip out of your seat, I want you to come. Come, 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 come. I want you to come. I want you to come. Bring your family. If you want to come, come.